Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly, the podcast that if it had Jorge Sampoali as a guest, it would almost certainly book him before he'd even had a chance to speak. My name is Chris, I am your host, and tonight I'm joined by, as usual, Phil and Jess. Good evening to you both. Good evening. Hi. Jess, are you okay? Are you... Um, I feel your pain. We'll come no, on to it. It's actually me watching the penalty incident. <laughs> oh, don't put yourself through it. You will come on to that later on. It's not worth <laughs> it. It's not worth it. Uh, we have a lot to get through tonight, so we're going to jump straight in. As always, let's run down the results and we will come back to a couple of fixtures. In fact, what I might do is leave out a couple of fixtures because uh, we're going to talk about those in a minute. So um, the weekend started with a game between Lorient and Lyon. Stuff happened, Lyon won. Let's move on. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's a four. Yeah, but yeah, finished 4-1. Uh, Lyon, Roman Fev uh, turned up for this particular game. He was very good, scored twice, took a Kambe and Mr. Dembele's cheeky back heel. It's kind of sandwiched at 2-0. As Phil mentioned, Antero Moffi got one back and it was uh, all systems go for about 90 seconds and then Kambe's goal kind of killed it. Um, all I would say is if Lauren are going to defend, uh, particularly at home in that manner for the rest of the season, then Ligue 1 beckons because it was not the best. And how Dreyer gets in ahead of Nardi, I just don't know. Anyway, let's move on quickly from that game. Uh, on Saturday, we saw Lens rather surprisingly lose at home to Brest. Uh, Frank Honorat, who else, with the winner uh, in a game that I say, I, I don't think I saw that coming, if I'm completely honest. Uh, nice PSG, we will come back to shortly. Uh, on Sunday, St Etienne, sorry, Jez, I'm going here again. Uh, they beat Mets by a goal to nil. Um, we'll maybe save the conversation for in a minute. We're going to have a look at the relegation battle, but Denny Boanga on a one-man mission there, the uh, the Dupras effect, as Phil mentioned before we recorded. Um, but St Etienne coming out with the points there. Uh, probably the biggest story of the weekend was Toise away win against Bordeaux. Uh, Poussin, the goalkeeper with an unfortunate own goal. Motiba with a late penalty to wrap up the points. Kone was sent off in injury time. Didn't really matter for Toise, and it's yet more problems for Bordeaux. And the change of manager hasn't kicked in with them just yet. Uh, not Montpellier, we will come back to shortly. Ravs against Strasbourg ended in a 1-1 draw. I think Strasbourg will look back on this and think, oh, what could have been? Uh, Belgarde with the opener, but it was equalised by Kajust with just six minutes to play. Strasbourg were on course for another win, but pegged back late on. A good point that for Ravs. Uh, Ren won 2-0 over Auger. Rich will be happy. Benjamin Bourigo and uh, Gaetan Laborde, of course. I believe he set up Bourigo's goal as well. Another good outing for him. Bourigo, sorry. Um, and uh, Lille winning 4-0. I saw a very happy Mr. Gibney <clears throat> on uh, on the Twitter. Uh, he's he's knee deep in football manager at the moment, but it's nice to see that he's still following Le Duge. Uh, Le Duge, sorry, they got the four 0 win over Clermont. Dog, I'm having one of those days today, Jess. Thank you. Four um, 0 uh, win over Clermont. Jonathan Bamba back in scoring form, as indeed was Canadian Jonathan David. Uh, Zeki Chelik rather surprisingly scoring. He also assisted in that game as well. And uh, Zaragova with the fourth in injury time. Same sent off for Clermont. Didn't exactly help. And Marseille-Monaco will also come back to in a second. So let's start with the um, sort of roundup of games. Let's talk a little bit of Nice PSG. Ended in a 1-0 win for Nice. We are going to transition into Nice's uh, Coupe de France victory uh, in midweek, which we'll come on to in a second. Uh, so I'll start with I'll start with you, Jess, because I know Phil wants to talk a little bit more about Nantes. So um, we know what we're going to get from Nice. You know, we know that they are uh, a team that are very well organised. We've, we've talked at great length about how good a, a coach uh, Galtier is. We know that already. But they went to um, or they hosted sorry PSG. It wasn't a great game. Uh, it was a pretty, in fact, it's a pretty dull game to be honest. And I felt like Nice were going to miss this opportunity because PSG were there for the taking and they just didn't attack them until the last minute when a cross came in from Kevin Stengs and Andy Delors rattled in what was technically a really good finish um, with power past Kalor Navas to win the game in the last minute. And uh, in midweek, Nice uh, completed. The uh, passport to the final of the Coupe de France with a 2 0 win over Versailles. I mean, Guiri and Kasper Dolberg, um, a little piece of brilliance in uh, footwork wise from Guiri in that particular game. What, what do we think with Nice? I mean, because I, I guess the question I'd ask you is 
are they favourites for the Coupe de France? And uh, would they be now your new favourites for uh, second place? We'll come on to Marseille in a minute, but they are finding some good form and they look like they're tightening up at the back again. Um, I think in terms of Coupe de France, though, it's a cup game, anything can happen, all the usual cliches, but on you know on paper that they are a stronger team than Nantes, so they've got to start as favourites for that one, I think. Um, and in terms of the league, I think for a lot of the season, once it was clear that Lyon were going to crash and burn, um, it looked like Nice were probably favourites to finish second. I, I just think they're, they're a better squad. And dare I say it about one of the great St. Bielsa's disciples, um, I think they've got a better coach than Marseille have. Um, I think Marseille in the image of their coach sort of blow very hot and cold. And um, if we speak about Marseille a little bit more later, I'll go into more depth about what I think of them in Sao Paulo. But um, yeah, I think I think Nice should be uh, favourites to finish second. And really, I think they should have had second wrapped up by now. I mean, they just, they've had like a couple of little dips, and of course, they could have that again, which would which would give other other teams a chance to kind of steal a march on them. But I I feel like if you just look at all the factors um, in terms of quality of the first eleven, in terms of having an idea what the coach wants from you and playing to to that in terms of strength off the bench even um in terms of reliable goal scorers or enough people who will share the goals between them um i, I think these have got to be favorites to finish second yeah well said uh, is that sam Paoli in the background everybody like to come on and have a chat <laughs> <laughs> excuse me um yeah and 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 uh, in terms of, I say we will we will talk a bit of Marseille actually in a minute, so we will store that up. Um, good win though for for Nice and and obviously PSG. I think I think it's fair to say their focus was elsewhere in this particular game. Not that that in any way uh, excuses another. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Pathetic performance. They were so bad. I think they had two shots on target the whole game. The hope the away side, but my this was. The interesting thing for me, I was watching, obviously, the French coverage and um, Canal Plus, after the game, called it and deferred some consequence. It doesn't matter in the league. It, there's no jeopardy. They're, what, 13 points ahead? Who cares? Yes. But I don't fully agree with that because... Normally. We can see the consequences, and they're going to play Real Madrid on Wednesday. And we saw here that we talked about it last week. Without Mbappe, yeah, the they seem to be in some trouble, and it appears Mbappe got injured in warm-up earlier. Um, he was absent at the weekend through suspension, but whether or not he plays is going to be crucial on Wednesday. And as we've discussed before, if he leaves at the end of the season, what do they do? They started uh, against Nice with a front three of Neymar, Messi and Di Maria. I mean, you'd think that would be enough, but you look at, you mentioned they only got two shots on target. Uh, Di Maria had four of the eight shots overall. He must be wanting to smack some people around the head right now because I think he's the one who is constantly trying he looks a shell, though, doesn't he? Would you would you say that? Like, I'm not criticising him, and I know that yeah, not playing every uh, week doesn't I help. Mean, but... Messi just looks lost a lot of the time. So this was, I think, a very interesting game. It was very different from the defeat against Nantes, which was where they just looked fucking bewildered. Um, and it feels weird to say 
biggest rivals when there's a 13-point gap, but Nice aren't, and they didn't. Mm. And that was a very interesting situation and not a great way to go into the key game. Obviously, Champions League is the thing they care about uh, for Wednesday. So it was an interesting situation. It wasn't a great game, as you say, but this again pointed out. I think Eric Devon uh, from Athens at Get French Football News wrote about this in Guardian this week. Like, without Mbappe, what are PSG? Who said that? Sorry, I didn't hear. Hmm? Uh, Devon, wasn't it? At, uh... <clears throat> I saw the tweet. I didn't see who it was from. Who is it that posted that tweet from? Eric Devon. Um, oh, it's Eric. In the Guardian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't. Sorry. Yeah. Hmm. And and they are <clears throat> they are a, a side that without Mbappe, you just he's just so. I mean, like we said this, we said this weeks ago, didn't we? But he's so key to everything they do. Ninety third minute winner. Ninety third minute winner. I. I don't see him, shoot. Sorry, go on. What? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, go ahead, Jez. I'm just. No, grumbling. I was going to say my issue is that I don't think he is necessarily central to everything they do I think he just makes himself so because he's the only player who looks like he gives a shit a lot of the time I mean that's that's true yeah I do agree with that and I mean, then, there's a there's a brilliant Marty got the I think the top marks in that game and he, he he's vital. also see him smacking a colleague at some point because mm. you know nobody's helping but is is the question um Maybe I'll ask you this, Jez. Is is the question like if they <clears throat> if they lose Mbappe, which you know by all accounts they're trying everything they possibly can to keep him, and and why wouldn't you? But I I think we're all in agreement on this podcast that he is gone in the summer, and I, I have a feeling if if Real Madrid get through tomorrow night, that announcement might be sped up a little. I have a suspicion. Um, but if he does go, is this now key about who they replace him with? Because I know people have said, oh, you know, well they'll go for Haaland, but. He doesn't fit that system. He doesn't fit that that style in in terms of and I, I know I know Haaland's a wonderful footballer and he is. I don't think he's very marketable. Do you like? I don't. Mbappe is very. He's a very marketable figure. He's a he's a very sort of well. In terms of dislikability, I think Haaland would fit very well. Oh yeah, no that that I do agree. But I think I think Haaland <laughs> is quite a strong. I think Mbappe is moldable. Uh, to a degree, and I think I don't, I'm not sure Holland is, and and I feel like if PSG are gonna, if they do, if they do lose Mbappe, which let's not forget is going to be on a free, they don't care about that. Um, I feel like they, the, the supporters, no, but the supporters are not going to accept. If, if PSG brought in, you know, Ludovic Jork or Jonathan David, they're not going to accept that, are they? They're, they're, they're only going to accept a marquee. I thought you rated the Jork higher than Mbappe. I, I didn't say higher. I do love him though, <laughs> Ludovic. If you're listening, I love you. Um, but no, I, do you know what I mean? Like, like Olivier Giroud, for example, like, they wouldn't even like, agree Esmond. They wouldn't. That wouldn't be good enough, would it? My my issue again, like I've said so many times, is Mbappe is not the issue. There's one position, and the problem is with Leonardo and El Khalifi, Just this obsession with those star names and with that one position. Um, it shouldn't be. I mean, obviously he's amazing. He's arguably the best player in the world at the moment. But however good he is, PSG should not be relying on Mbappe to score 93rd minute minute winners every other week. And so I don't think it matters if you bring in another um, regular goal scorer, whoever it is, because the issues still remain the same behind. Yeah, I agree with that. There's still... I still don't think, and Navas and Donnarumma are great, except that now they're both unsettled. Yeah. Marquinhos, great. Kimpembe, occasionally. Has his um, <laughs> Verratti, when he's fit and not suspended. I still think most of the defence and most of the midfield do not get into any of the other top European teams. And even up front, the way that Messi, Di Maria and Neymar are playing this year, I don't think any of them do either. 
Do you think that there's enough in the, and this is the last point on PSG because I want to talk Nantes in a second, but do you, either of you think there's enough in that academy from PSG to, to blood somebody? Because I, I really like it. Dina Rabimbe. I know he's not, yes, not ready to walk won't. in. But, but do you not, do you, do you not think they will? Because have they not le- learned the lesson from Christopher Nkunku, for example, who, if he left Leipzig now, would fetch 40, 50, maybe 60 million quid. Have they not looked at that and thought, actually, maybe? I mean, Pochettino would be the right coach to bring to use, but I don't think he's going to be here next season. Pochettino got really slagged off for kind of saying, I'm not, a, you know, we don't really have time to impose any kind of style. The most important thing is to win today. Mm. And... Uh, Pochettino kickers had a go at him for that but I think he's right and I think yeah. they've got a brilliant academy and there's still some really top player top quality players who are being sold and coming through and they're doing very well again in the uh, Europa Youth League whatever it's called this year but I don't think the people above Pochettino and to be fair, a lot of the Nouveau fans, for example, have got the patience to allow some of these players to get the chance to become accustomed to the first team and uh, week in, week out professional football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's one that will run and run. And of course, as I say, that, that game on Wednesday, we'll, we may get a chance to come back to it in a minute. Just a brief preview because we've done a lot of PSG, but that game is absolutely massive to so many aspects of that club. But I do want to talk um, <clears throat> the other uh, Coupe de France finalist, uh, Phil Witcher, Nantes. Um, well, get, get some credit I just to... want to mention on the Nice front, yeah. um, they beat Versailles 2-0. Uh, as you said, goals from Guerri and Dolbeck. I just want to call out Dan Deloney in goal for Versailles. Couldn't find the stats, but the eye test was he was a busy beaver that night. Mm. Um, they didn't look kind of uh, massively outplayed. They did a good job. They've had a wonderful run to this stage. A fourth-tier team in the semi-final, and... It was a bit too much magic to expect them to get further. I think the result was expected and reasonable, um, but uh, they did a really good job to get to this stage, and I hope it you know, uh, helps both the club and the individual players, who I'm sure will be a couple of league de sides might be... Um, looking around at uh, various players there. So that mm. was that was a, a, a good match. But a bit sad for those of us who are more emotional. Can I, sorry, can <laughs> I just very quickly say one more thing about Nice as well? Mm-hmm. Um, they played PSG three times this season and not conceded a goal. No, no, you're right. I noticed that stat as well, yeah. Yeah, so that is a, it's not a bad record to have, is it, to be fair? Um, yeah, let's let's talk a bit of Nottingham, Phil. Anton Comboire, um, I'll give it to you because I think Jez might implode if we have to get him to talk about Comboire, but he, he's done I've never a... had anything against him. I know, it's more non I'm, I'm just going to avoid talking about the league game and say in the coup, they were great because... What is it about not goalkeepers? I mean, Lafont got a 10 out of 10 against uh, PSG uh, the week before last. Um, this time against Monaco in a 2 2 draw, Remy Descamps was in goal and he was fabulous as well and saved a penalty from, oh my God, Wissam Ben Yedder. Missed a penalty. In other words, it was saved. And then uh, I think it was Chumeni put one over the bar to make it not uh, 4-2 on pens. Yeah. So that was, it was a fairly chaotic game. Uh, not, uh, Nantes' opening goal was an own goal after Maripan scoring for Monaco. And then... 
Mutasami um, putting on back ahead, I think they at that point lost their shit a little bit because about 90 seconds later, uh, Monaco equalised. But it was it was a really fun game, possibly not one for the purists, uh, but um, that puts them in the uh, final with Nice, which has been moved to Saturday, 7th of May. It was originally, I think, uh, booked in for the Sunday, but both clubs actually asked for it to be moved because obviously both directions, quite a long journey, um, makes it easier for people to get there and get back again. Um, for the final. So that's Saturday, the 7th of May. We will see Nice v. Not at the Stade de France. Hang on, logic in football. This this can't be true. I can't imagine that. Um, I'm, but yes. I'm guessing that uh, the LFP were distracted by things elsewhere and so just went, yeah, fine, whatever, yeah. whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that, yeah, yeah, I have a suspicion you may be right. Um, just the, as Phil rightly said, that, you know, not going through on penalties, um, I thought they, they just probably just about deserved it. By all means, because I've thrown you under the bus there, so I'm going to redeem, I'm going to retract my statement and actually give you an opportunity to speak about Kumbuaro, but also the, this squad, because we know that Colin Moane is off to untrack Frankfurt. I didn't get to see this game because UK TV, but... From what I can gather, he he ripped Maripan a new one in this particular game. But there's two other players that I look at in this non-squad, and I think if they move on, then realistically, they're going to attract attention, probably from Newcastle or Everton or someone that doesn't deserve them in the <laughs> summer. <clears throat> but the two I look at in this particular side, Alban Lafont, you know, as, as Phil's just discussed there, I know he didn't play this game, but he's going to be on the radar of big clubs, much like Magnon was at, at Milan in the summer. He's only 23 there's talk of him getting into the French squad now and richly deserved if he does. And Ludovic Blas, who I just have a bit of a man crush on, not going to lie. You could maybe throw Moses Simon into that sort of situation as well, just purely because you know he's got that, that blistering pace. Is it all about how Kumbuari manages this team to the end of the season, whether they get Europe? Does that, does that sort of stop potentially fire sale happening? Or do you think that those, those two in particular, Lafont and and Blas are going to go along with Colin Wane, who we already know his future is, is done. Is that is that the sort of the issue that they're going to face in the summer, do you think? I think it's, as every summer, I think it's the issue for every club, including Nantes, I think, whether they get into Europe or not, or win the Coupe de France or not, they've got players who are performing very well. And so I think they'll attract attention. Um, I think Simon had a pretty bad I can't remember if it was last season or the beginning of this season so I think maybe the jury's still out I think Blas as well has had a since he sprung onto the scene at Gagan he's had a couple of bad periods as well so there might you know anyone properly doing their research should should maybe hedge their bets a little bit and and want to see more consistency over a longer period of time but that's the thing Kongoare's got this team playing extremely well together I think Kolomuani is is the one that sort of really not makes them tick but kind of pushes them a little bit um just gives them that extra I guess that x factor that that they maybe wouldn't have otherwise um he was excellent I think again at, at the weekend against against Montpellier um so yeah I think um Convoire was remember doing a very good job at PSG when all the QSI money came in and he was obviously basically the, the first person that was just unceremoniously dumped. Um, and since then, I think he has become, gained a reputation as a bit of a sort of turgid coach. And then obviously a couple of bad periods, at, I think it was Toulouse and, and Gagon, Gagon, Dijon, maybe all three of them actually. Um, it seemed like he was a bit of a busted flush, but um, he's, he's, to what extent it's him or recruitment sell behind, I don't know. They've got a very nice little squad together. They've got players like um, Palwa, who's sort of continuing to 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 excel. Girotto, I think, converted from a defensive midfielder, is doing well in defence. 
um, exciting attackers who are being allowed to to attack and play attacking football, which we haven't seen from Nantes for a long time. And as I said, I think people had forgotten that Comboare is capable of doing as well. So you put all of that together. And yeah, as you said, Lafont, who again, like maybe hasn't necessarily always had you know, it seems so long ago now that he, he sort of sprung onto the scene as a 16-year-old or whatever it was, but he, he's had some dips in his career as well. Was it Napoli that you went? I can't even remember now. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm going to check that. I think you're right, but yeah. So, yeah, I think it's done him good to come back to France. And again, that's another one, you know, it's a little bit like Torvan when he came back from Newcastle. Some people might look at it and say, well, it's great in France, but he struggles abroad and you know again he was very young when he went so shouldn't judge him on that but I, th- I think people might be there's reason to think twice about a few players maybe except Colin Ruani he just looks all brilliant but um, whether it's Comboare or these players getting their heads together whatever it is they're all really surpassing themselves at the moment and and it's good to see because as we said before not you know, as distasteful as their president is, and he's very distasteful, not our, um, you know, really traditional, successful league A team that's sort of synonymous with league A until not that long ago. I think they, they you know, were amongst the top two or three numbers of titles. They've won those titles playing some of the, the greatest football that has ever been seen in France. Um I saw the other day on the Ligue 1 show they had Christian Carambeur on and it reminds me of that, that. amazing 94-95 team yeah. um, that I think only lost one match all season and just played absolutely stunning football the whole way. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's great to see Nantes do well. I think it is nice to see Comboare do well and there's some very likeable players there as well. But yeah, I'm not sure how many of them will still be there next year, but um, I think they probably still could keep the nucleus. My concern is that I do think Colin Muani is the one who sort of sends them over the edge in a positive way, and he's yeah. definitely not going to be there. And mm. I don't think they're getting any money for him either. Mm. I think um, just to go back to the Coupe game, they, after they won that um, penalty huge out, there was a pitch invasion. I'm not talking... 12 teenagers the whole city seemed to be on the pitch and it was joyous and it was brilliant and you've got Palwa being kind of shepherded through people trying to hug him by uh, by bouncers and you can see how much it meant to them and I don't know if that gives a little bit of an edge as well. Mm, potentially so. So, I mean, Nice may have the better coach, but not may have the better crowd. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that matchup pans out, quite apart from what's on the pitch. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be, it's definitely a final for the, like I said, sort of the old fashioned purists. You know, it's, it's too. The meeting of two very, very good traditional Keter against Radcliffe. <laughs> yeah, the purists, I like that. Very good. It will be one that we will, of course, keep you across. And uh, yeah, I do, I do think that loss of Colin Wani is going to be key to not. Um, we will come back to the relegation zone in a second, but I do just want to have a, a little uh, little Sam Pauli chat, if I may. So uh, just Posh, pop the uh, push the soapbox into place because I know you have plenty to say on this one. Um, they lost to Marseille. This is lost to Monaco last night. Uh, one goal to nil. Jelson Martins with the winner after Volland's shot come back off the post. Um, I will just get it out the way uh, straight away and I'll say that there was two stand up performances I thought for Monaco. Uh, Wissam Benyeda was absolutely brilliant. I know he's not always everyone's cup of tea, but I thought he was fantastic last night, especially in that link role. And um, Vanderson, who's this sort of right back who's come in from Grameo, um, really looks a find. He, he's, uh, he, he does look like a really good pickup for a low price. Um, maybe we won't talk about the new up and coming young player, Afalu, Jess. I don't think we'll, we'll talk about him. Uh, Let me talk you... about that because, again, Please feel free. I, mean, I know this, is, this is becoming a weekly slot, but this needs to be called out. 
I think it does, yeah. And I'll give you the credit because I didn't actually watch this match live. For, the, for those who haven't heard, um, shall I shall I set you up and you give me your thoughts on, on this? So um, it's a good old, good old BT Sport. Uh, we do we do love them, Phil. You wouldn't have heard this, but uh, basically, our, our good friend Jonathan uh, Jonathan Pierce. Um, there was a substitution made with about five minutes to go. Monaco looking to see out the game, and they they turned to Alexander Golovin to come on to. Uh, sort of midfield area, uh, just a bit of fresh legs. And um, as I can't remember who it was he replaced, I'll, I'll look it up. But as the player trotted across to the to to do the substitution, Monaco were in their black kit last night. Uh, in fact, it wasn't for Deep Benyeda that he replaced. And uh, he, um, Golovan's back was to the camera. And for those who don't know, uh, Afalu is one of the principal sponsors of Monaco's strip, and it's below the number. So uh, good old JP. They've also, for anyone, and I'm sure Jonathan Pierce does, of course, but anyone who follows French football, I mean, they've been like sponsors of various <laughs> teams years. and things for as certainly as long as I can remember. Yeah, and they've, they've, as you say, they've been across French football. They've been on the Monaco shirts for a, a long time. So, uh, yeah, good old Jonathan Pierce uh, turns to his mate Clive and says, uh, oh, yeah, young, young Afalu is coming on now for, for Ben Yedder. And then it sort of went quiet for a moment where I, I imagined the mics were muted and they went, actually, that's uh, that's not Affleck. That's a guy called Golovin. And um, I believe Clive corrected him. So, yeah, just just for those who didn't see that, that was a, a gem um, of the highest calibre. But by all means, just if you want to mention that, feel free. And, and then just a bit about Marseille, because they are the wheels are coming off at exactly the wrong time in terms of their Champions League slash European place. Um, and they looked so poor last night uh, I can't remember a time I've seen them that bad and the home crowd vented their frustration at the full-time whistle so yeah by all means those two for you what what do you think of those two particular uh topics if you will <laughs> on the Jonathan Pierce thing I think um you know that that shows it's not even just Liga for him not to recognize Golovin who was arguably one of the sort of breakout stars of the last world cup I think it just shows his rank arrogance that if it's not Premier League he doesn't give a shit and I, I genuinely think it's an absolute disgrace that he's getting these matches I really do I mean you me and Rich were talking about it and we've got sort of mixed feelings or don't entirely agree on some of the other commentators but I just think Jonathan Pierce is absolutely all out irredeemably disgraceful <laughs> And uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's such an insult to Ligue 1, but actually any other football apart from Premier League, if he's anywhere near it. Um, yeah, I just, when you told me that, I, I mean, I loved it because it's hilarious, but it really is disgusting <laughs> as well. Yeah, especially when, um, and we won't go into details, but especially when other commentators who are on Ligue, the, you know, Ligue 1 coverage actually take the time to do their research. Again, if, if you know, you know. So, you know, I, I don't think it takes much um, and, it, and it certainly doesn't take a lot to be able to to just just, you know, just the basics. You know, that's not hard. Surely they have a squad sheet with the numbers on. You only takes you a second to flick down if you don't even recognise the player and go. But it's Alexander Golovin. It's not like it's a, you know, it's not like Merlin. Like, um, uh, Santa at the end played in shirts that said peaceful. Yeah, exactly. Now that we could. Now there were no player names on the shirts, but yeah. You can recognise them. There's haircuts. Well, I'm yeah. Not. I mean, like, like I say, if, if it's a player... Because oh. League, League and I do this thing, don't they, where they don't have the, the youth players, they don't have their names on the shirts. I can understand if that's the case, that that happens. Um, you know, I've, I've seen games and I've thought, who on earth is that? And I was just saying, I've highlighted the, na- the, the name Merlin at uh, Nolt. He's a wizard, by the way, Harry. But um, all jokes aside, he's, he's a terrific young player. I, I hadn't seen much of him until he scored that goal a few weeks ago. But you just it doesn't take 30 seconds to to just do your research. And bear mm. in mind, these commentators are not at these games. They're doing it remotely. They've got access to all the equipment needed to quickly lock it up or contact somebody if they're not sure. I mean, Transfer Market <clears throat> is a website. Mm. You know, it's not that tough. It's not that hard. Anyway, rant over. Enjoy that one, listeners. Um, BT Sport, if you want to give you feedback uh, I'm sure you'll be interested to do so Jez Marseille then I mean as I say I mean Sam Pauli I sit on the fence because I'm like you I, I never really believed the myth of Bielsa and I did find it amusing how how much hand-wringing there was when he was uh, 
he was dumped by Leeds. Somehow he's cut from the same cloth. The one thing I would say is, you know, he does try and get his teams to play. But at the moment, Marseille are not doing that. And bringing on two fullbacks with five minutes to go when you're chasing a game that you haven't even had a shot on target just sort of made desperation a thing for me. And the Marseille fans were not happy last night. They're a massive club, whatever you think of them. And they're in danger of slipping down the table unless they win that Europa Conference League. They're going to have nothing to show for it. Is Sampaoli on the risk with his job at this point, do you think? It's funny you mentioned bringing on two fullbacks because they didn't start with two fullbacks. No, they kind didn't. Of, that kind of leads to some of the issues. Yeah, I think he probably could be at risk. Um, look, I think, you know, some of the... Some of the Issues are not necessarily his fault. Right? I think, for example, Under has been one of one of their best players. He wasn't available yesterday. Gerson has been a massive flop. Um, Gwenduzi has been very good, but does not shut the fuck up. And I don't think that helps anyone within the club or without. Um, Payet is Payet. He's been fantastic, but he seems, still seems to struggle to play well with the other big stars in the team plus the haircut so yeah, yeah. That's, that's gotta go so as much as you know he had big issues with Tova, now clearly he can't not saying issues off the pitch with Milik but for whatever reason they haven't gelled together um everyone's been crying out for Milik to start he starts and doesn't have a great game um so the, there's various factors but some of them are Sampaoli's fault apparently in training, they they do very little on offensive work, which is weird because, as we said before, he came in sort of, we all thought it would be amazing attacking football and it would be in defence that there'd be issues. They've been a lot better in defence, but that has slipped a bit recently as well. If you're asking why it slipped, they started this match with Luan Perez, who I don't think has been great full stop, but isn't a left back at left back. And you have a look at right back and you've got, I think, very, very good midfielder Orangier playing at right back with the best will in the world I'm sure that as he always does he gave 100% but why is Orangier playing right back of course he's going to struggle it's ridiculous and you're certainly not going to get much help from Gerson in front of him covering and he was Um, so I I think some of the issues there are um, self-inflicted and you know after the match Granduzzi said look we, we controlled most of the match Firstly, they didn't control most of the match. They controlled most of the second, the first half. And secondly, not for the first time in recent weeks. It depends on your definition of control. Yes, they had all the ball, but they, they created very, very little. And Monaco sort of weren't any great shakes, I don't think, yesterday, but they did what they needed to do. And once they'd scored a goal, it didn't really look at any point like Marseille were going to get back into it. And that's the concern. And the amazing stat is that that Marseille have dropped 22 points at home this season. That's that, nuts. That's nuts. huge oh, for, for a team, for a club like Marseille, who have been, you know, have got their fans back at the Velodrome, who for the most part of the season have had the fans behind them, not on their backs. There's, mm-hmm. there's something wrong there. And, um, yeah, look, you know, they've hit a bad patch of form. It's not the first time in the season. They recovered last time. They they could still do that again. I always say I think that San Paoli teams get knackered physically and mentally, and there is an international break coming up soon. So maybe it's a chance for them to regroup and they'll they'll look a little bit better after that when when they've all had um a rest from him screaming at them. Um but the everyone else is sort of circling, you know, Strasbourg have a few points recently, the three draws in a row, I think. But Ren are looking good. Lyon, who knows? They look good on Friday, but we've said that before. And then they've gone back to mediocrity. So we'll see. But, um, you know, they have got an incentive to sort of look upwards. Lille as well, um, especially if, you know, as is likely, they won't be in the Champions League so they can focus fully on, on the league. Um, nice, we've talked about. Monaco. You know, this is a big match for for getting themselves back on track as well. So, yeah, I mean, Marseille, obviously, they're, they're in third. They've got that little bit of advantage over other teams, but um, they do look like they've come to a little bit of a standstill and, and they need to, to refine some kind of mojo soon. Mm. Yeah, because when you look at the last three games without a win, Monaco, fine. 
but they lost to Clermont and drew with Troyes. Both teams who are at the end of the table, I think we might be talking about in a minute, they, they are so inconsistent. Mm. It's very difficult to kind of want to put money on them, if you see what I mean. When you've got red, good form, not good form, Lille, good form, Monaco, decent form, that are all up there. Is it is it an element of burnout as well, do you think, Phil? Because, I mean, in the disciple of Bielsa sort of line, I mean... They they do run a lot and do a lot. I mean, is that is that is there an element of that as well? Not sure. I haven't. Um, what's their rotation look like? Because it Weird. feels like they just they like play the same players, but they rotate positions all over the shop. So that would suggest not burnout, but disorganisation. Well, the, the way they the way they defended in this game, I mean, Monaco. To be fair, Monaco were very good. Like, I'm not you know, yeah. take nothing away from them. They were really good, and they played, especially second half. It's like Clermont got into them and just said, "Look, you got to press these guys. <clears throat> the minute they get on the ball, you got to put put them under pressure, press high." And that's exactly what Monaco did. And they, you know, their goal was a touch fortuitous, but they probably should have had the opening goal from Martins in the fir- end of the first half. Because I thought that was onside, but. You know, such as life. It was certainly very close. I would have given the benefit of the doubt to the attacker. But they, you know, and they had... Yeah, we'll come on to that. Um, But yeah, I mean, they they should have... They probably should have been three or four up at that point, Monaco, because Marseille, it's almost like they just gave up defensively. And what was really telling for me was, Ganduzi is a player who, obviously, I know a bit about from his time at Arsenal. I wouldn't describe him as a defensive midfielder, but he's a box-to-box midfielder. I wouldn't describe him as an offensive attacking midfielder or a cam. Yes, he can carry the ball, but he got into the final third with about, I don't know, seven or eight minutes to go. And he played the ball backwards and um, Jonathan Pierce claimed 20 yards, a bit of a stretch. It was about 10 yards, but it was um, the, the, the Marseille fans let rip. I mean, it was a cacophony of boos and whistles and he's been arguably their best player this season. Um, you know, and, and I just sort of feel if, they, if they're going to, it comes back to the striker situation. Like Jez said, Milik is not consistent. The Cambu, I think he's the sort of guy who'll get you 10 goals a season, but he looked shorn of form once again yesterday after a good start. Um, Gerson is a talent, but he was awful yesterday. And with the greatest respects, Kalasinac and Lerola are not really the sort of players you want to be bringing on to change a game um, or bringing on at all, some would argue. So but there's Dieng as well. I mean, but and Dieng, Dieng yeah. and Milik between them, Papaya mm. as well, even if a lot of his goals are penalties. There's goals there. Harrit yeah. is supposed to be, you know, brilliant. De La Fuente looked great for the first two weeks of the season and then has vanished. So there should be enough goals between them. Yeah. My, yeah. Also, you look at those last three matches and they were all lost or points dropped in different ways. So Claremont, after the match, Payet kind of spoke a lot about a complete lack of humility within the team, which is, you know, a team with Payet and Guendouzi there. Who, who'd have thought there's a lack of humility? Um, <laughs> then against Troyes, they sort of, took the lead and then went into their shell and were punished for it. And then um, last night, it was one of those matches where they did dominate possession, but didn't look like scoring. Mm. So they sort of, you know, there's all different kinds of problems there on and off the pitch. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, that's Marseille. Um, We haven't got a huge amount of time left because I consciously don't want to go too long, but I do want to just touch on the relegation situation. Um, Phil, I'll start with you and then we'll come because I know Jez has got something he wants to bring up definitely, but I'll start with you, Phil. That The, the one game of the weekend, we, we've covered sort of Lorient and, and St Etienne with that win. I think probably Jez will cover that one, but Trois win at Bordeaux, that for me felt really, like really pivotal, yeah. not just because Trois needed the points and they've been pretty poor themselves, but Bordeaux once again, so coming at home, they're the, one who've, they're the ones who've changed the coach. And our, and our blooding, you know, some pretty decent signings in, in the winter window. Um, David Grion is... their form is still horrible. Well, this is it. And that's yeah. that's the concern. So, I mean, is there... is is Was that the result of the weekend for you in terms of down the bottom, I guess, would be the question. 
I I think that um, actually Saint Etienne Metz was the game at the bottom, which we might come on to because I think Bordeaux look cooked. But they really do. So this is a massive club, though, isn't it? Like. And it's, it's a shock every time I see, I scroll down to the bottom of the table and I see that name down there. It's like, how the fuck has this happened? Mm. And it's long-term mismanagement financially in football. I don't So... Is it because he got the off the pitch situation with Bordeaux as well? I, I liken their situation to like Hamburg in the Bundesliga. They've been up for all those years and they've finally gone down to Bundesliga Zwei, I think it's called. Um it, it's it's up there, but this is a massive club in in French yeah. football. So yeah, I mean, who knows? They might find a bit of thought. I mean, Grion's not been in there long, to be fair, and we've seen what's happened with Debrus, how how things can change quite quickly if if you if a coach gets his feet under the desk, so to speak, and embeds a philosophy and, and gets a player, you know, firing. I, I think but... their main hope is that it's only the bottom two that go down automatically. Yes, yes. Um, you could not have set that up better. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Jez, I have to I have to um, raise the the question. Um, Saint Etienne, by all means, you know, if you want to mention them as well, there was a bit of controversy. In, in the winning goal that that they won by over over your beloved, are you concerned that that Metz and, and possibly Etois or dare I say Alorion are, are going to be the one of the worst two sides this season and therefore go down because it doesn't really feel like much is going your guys' way at the moment. And Saint Etienne, we've mentioned Denny Boanga with the winner. They are very much upwardly mobile, three wins and a draw from the last five. And it feels like they are probably going to end up being 14th, 13th, mid-table and comfortable. I think it's disgraceful that they were at the bottom anyway. I think they've got yeah. by far a better squad than all the teams around them. And I think they recruited well in January as well. Mm. Um, so I think they're only doing now what they should have been doing anyway. But and you know, even with Bordeaux, I still think there'll be some interesting times to come. And for example, we saw it um, in the Monaco match against Monaco a couple of weeks ago where they were given the advantage of Chiuameni being absolutely ridiculously sent off and they they couldn't take advantage. Um, I don't think the LFP want Bordeaux or Saint-Etienne to go down and I think they'll do all they can to make sure that doesn't happen. And um, Controversy, I love it. <laughs> well, I, look, I said it last week and I felt a bit silly saying it. I'm not a conspiracy theorist in general but I think there's, you know, for certain teams, I think there's there's things that are piling up which suggest that their card is marked. And I know that I will just be accused of being biased or whatever, but the number of things that have gone against Mess this season, perfectly good goals. There was one against Lens. There was one against Lyon. By the way, both of them didn't even make it, funnily enough, to the LFP official highlights reel. Um, and then this week, again, Look, bottom line, bottom line, mess were rubbish. Or they were okay defensively, but they just look frighteningly clueless going forward. Yeah. Which is um whatever, there's various reasons for that. And they are all messes full, really bad recruitment, bottom line. Mm. Um so they deserve a bit of what's coming to them. But the fact is that they were given a penalty five minutes from time. And then it was retracted for a supposed foul. There was no way it was foul. A foul. Pat Matasar, <laughs> he went for a 50-50 and he won the ball. Is it, so have we confirmed, is that what they were given? That what it was given? It wasn't yeah. the off. So it wasn't the offside. It was, it the, was it No was one was anywhere near offside. Foul in the, in the builder. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So maybe I'm thinking of a different game. I swear, I swear I was watching something and I'm sure that was an offside decision. But either way, do you, so so do you, are you subscribing to the idea that there are some, you know, things at play here to keep certain clubs at the top end or, you know, in the top flight, put it that way? 
Yeah. Okay. I am. Okay. Um, I would also again point to Antonetti getting a ridiculous ban where yeah. where you know Bodmer and um yeah, that got practically nothing. <clears throat> yeah. And for what was allegedly but, said, that is yeah, I do agree with you on that one. The weird thing I agree <clears throat> with Jess, but it's like they can do that with Zetienne, maybe. But Bordeaux were just so shit, they're going to have to start rewriting the rules of the game <laughs> to, to get them out of this. I'm not it sure reminds, that it's, whatever... the, it's like the joke about the, the religious guy who's in a house, his house is on fire and, you know, a plane yeah. comes and says... I sent, I sent you a helicopter, a boat and exactly. whatever... <laughs> You know, if they're not going to take the chances they're given, like I said, you know, that true many red cards. I, 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 there's nothing the LFB can do about Bordeaux unless Bordeaux actually start pulling themselves together. Mm. And yeah, um, one thing I found interesting uh, in the halftime show in Santa Etienne Metz was uh, Roman Hamuma and Bernard only interviewing each other. You know, they do that cute <laughs> thing where footballers talk to each other. And Hamuma actually had the balls to ask Bernard only, uh, so how long have you looked 40? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Bernard only was, yeah, basically, it's always been like this, uh, whatever. It was very strange. Mm. Yeah, I, I do. It is, it is an interesting one um, to, to follow the relegation fight. What is brilliant is we managed to have that whole conversation and not mention Lorient once, which is amazing. So I'm delighted with that. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's a bit frankly, of a bum fight. Frankly, that, that wasn't a good result on Friday. So. No, it wasn't. No, it, it, it wasn't. And at no point did it ever look like it was going to be, unfortunately. And, and as good as Leon were, and they were good, to be fair, but they were won't have given a helping hand the space to I think create your a... your form is much, it's up and down which yeah. is brilliant but it's not like criminally bad oh no it's i mean up we've, and down. yeah we've so, had two wins and a draw in the last five it's not critical it, it yeah, but they rely things, on certain players can change mm. it just has to be a particular day and a particular mood. But what worries me is defensively, without Julien Laporte in particular, um, they, they are half the side. And this goalkeeping situation is a huge worry because, like I say, Dreyer is uh, I just don't think he's good enough. And he was beaten really badly in one of the one of the goals. Um, <clears throat> and I just don't think that they, they've alienated Nardi, so they have nowhere to go with that now. So, you know, come back, Benjamin Lecomte, that's all I can say. But, um, yeah, um, we should also quickly mention, we did say last week on the show that Angers were the team to watch because they are falling like a stone. Well, that hasn't got any better, has it, with another 2 yep. defeat. So, uh, they're looking over their shoulder. They're lucky. They're pretty Losses unlucky. Bougie's goal was such a mishit. Yeah, that, that's fair. It, but... But, they, but they didn't deserve anything from the game based on what I saw. They they were pretty, pretty listless. And um, <clears throat> I think it's... The, the trouble with Onger, well, I say the trouble, the, the, the good thing for Onger is what I probably should say is that teams below them are not putting together enough wins other than St Etienne. And if only one team leapfrogs them, they're fine. But if suddenly Clermont or Twelve with their win this weekend or, or Lorient Metz or Bordeaux for that matter, if any of them get on a run, uh, particularly the clubs closest to them, i.e. the clubs Angier, 25 Angier. points now, they're fine. Yeah. We'll, re- we'll revisit it. We'll revisit it. I, th- I do, I think, Probably you're right, Jess. I think they will be all right. They'll get enough points together, but they do need to find a win pretty quick because there is always that one team that falls and teams go, that'll be fine. There's always a West Ham, as I like to say. Anywho, um, that's pretty much it this week. We are going to quickly... Does anybody want to mention the PSG game? I mean, we've kind of covered it in terms of, you know, what we expect. Obviously, they, (laughs) they need to win. They play on Wednesday. Um, Leon are away at Porto on Wednesday in the Europa League. Monaco are away at uh, Sporting Braga. Sporting, uh, Braga. Sorry, you're right. But that's also on Thursday. The big game, obviously, is the PSG game. Does, does anybody want 
to wade into that or if we do you feel like we've covered that enough at this point i want to see ren lester yeah that does ben actually look lester. pretty yeah that does actually look like a good tie to be fair i'm quite intrigued by that one um but yeah so i guess it's nothing on psg are we all happy yeah yeah i think but it's tough and it's good that they got that goal and real madrid seem to have refound a little bit of form and Mm. But I still, you know, even if PSG get through, I don't, this isn't a vintage Real Madrid either. No. I don't think... Does the away goals this... thing for you... Sorry to cut across you. Does the away goals thing um, have, a, have a say to suggest? Because, uh, you know, it was very clear Real Madrid basically came and, and decided they were going to do nothing. And as long as PSG only got one goal, they were quite happy with that. Because if because I, I, I look at the, the way PSG is set up and Mbappe and Neymar in particular on the counter-attack and Messi going back to Real Madrid, we know he'll probably raise his game for those big occasions. If they notch, if they notch what would have been an away goal, I'd have gone, oh, I fancy, you know, fancy them because Real Madrid have to push forward and they could score again. But now there's no away goals. Does that play into either against or for them, in that, in your opinion? Um, I don't think it makes much difference. No. If they score, PSG score, do you think that's enough? Yeah. Okay, interesting, interesting. We will see. Um, and although we might be a little bit uh, against PSG sometimes, I think we'd all agree that we'd like to see them go through. So we'll be keeping across that for, for next week. Um, we wish all the clubs, all the French clubs well in uh, this particular round of fixtures. So we will see how they get on. Um, just before we wrap up then, we'll have a look at the fixtures to come at the weekend. There's, um, there's a couple of interesting ones, I think it's fair to say, uh, this upcoming week. If my... Oh, there we go. We got there in the end. My system wouldn't, wouldn't upload. So on Friday, <clears throat> excuse me, we've got Lille against St Etienne. Um, that'll be a good test of Lille's sort of new, uh, St Etienne, sorry, newfound form because Lille obviously walloping Clermont at the weekend. They're upwardly mobile. So could be a decent watch that one. 8pm UK time on Friday the 11th. We've got Montpellier against Nice. That's the Sunday 4pm game. Again, right. Yes, going to say, Phil will be behind the sofa for that particular game. And um, we got Twat against Nantes. Suddenly that's quite interesting because, again, Nantes in really good form and Twat with their win at Bordeaux, you'd think they want to try and build on that particular result. And then on Sunday, PSG Bordeaux, if there was ever an opportunity for Bordeaux at the Parc de France, you would think this is the one because PSG are either going to be delighted and really absolutely not asked at all, or they're going to be very miserable. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is just it could go one way or the other, couldn't it? But yeah, I, I, I anticipate maybe a bit of a cricket score there. Interesting that they're playing early on the Sunday as well, um, given that they're midweek game. But still, uh, China. Oh, of course. Market. Of course. Yes. How silly of me. Um, I wonder if Marseille are playing on Sunday night. Anyway, we'll come back to that. Of course, they are. Uh, Angers against Rams. This is the multiplex games at 2pm UK. Uh, Angers against Rams. Suddenly that's huge. Angers at home. Again, if there was ever a game that you'd think to, to snap this, this streak of defeats, that's the one. And if they win, that puts uh, Rams slightly looking over their shoulder again as well. Claremont, well, I mean, I say looking over their shoulder, that may be a bit of a stretch, but I'm trying to build the, the excitement here. Give me a break. Um, we've, uh, we've also got a massive game, uh, which is um, Lorient against uh, Claremont. Uh, same massive game, you know, yes, two sort of maybe unfancied sides, but if there is a winner in that particular fixture, um, please God, let it be Lorient. But um, yeah, if any if any of any of those two teams win that fixture, it puts the opposition team in all sorts of problems. So uh, again, that will be an interesting one. Uh, Mets against Lens. Uh, I'm sure Jazz will be delighted with anything from this particular game, but Lons lost at home last week, so. Stranger things have happened. You never know. Um, Strasbourg against Monaco. It's probably the one for the purists for the weekend. That has a little bit of uh, interest about it. Monaco win. They're still behind Clermont. Yeah, but I mean, what I mean is it brings them closer, doesn't it? it it's one of those, it's that old, what is it? They call it a six-pointer in, in England. Like if they win, it, it ties them up on points. Doesn't it? Oh, no, sorry, you are right, a point behind. But it's that momentum thing. Um, just, yeah. And I'm trying to convince myself here, so leave me alone. Uh, Strasbourg, Monaco. Let's leave him there, Jess. Yeah, leave me in my little happiness bubble. Uh, yeah, Strasbourg, Monaco, that one could be quite interesting in terms of European places. Monaco, they win last night. 
and Strasbourg looking to continue their good home form. Leon against Rennes equally four o'clock or four o five on Sunday. That one could be pretty spicy. Leon really need to put together a batch of wins now to uh, to shoot up the table if they do. And, and obviously Rennes are very much one of the form sides in terms of the push for the top three this season. And then finally, as I said before, Marseille on a Sunday night. Who'd have thought? They uh, go away to Brest. Uh, that is a 7.45 UK time kickoff. Um, if Marseille, who's away form to be fair, has not been bad, were to get that win, then again, I think Brest are fine, but it's just you just never know. But it's probably not the most watchable game of the weekend, um, which means it will inevitably be five all. And there'll be seven red cards for each team. So <laughs> maybe give that a watch. Um, I think that is it, boys and girls. I think we've done well to cover a multitude of topics this week. So uh, thank you very much for listening. It is, as ever, always appreciated. We will be back next week. We probably will go fairly heavy on the European stuff next week and then cherry pick our way through the weekend's league out as well. Um, it will either be the PSG funeral or the PSG party, I guess. And then we'll also look back at those games for uh, the other clubs in France this particular week's uh, week of action. So that will be where our focus will be. Uh, just remains for me to, to thank Jazz and Phil for their time. So thank you very much to you both. Thank you. And hopefully we'll all have something to smile about next week. Wouldn't it be nice if all three of our clubs won this weekend? I wouldn't put any money on it, but, uh, you know, <laughs> keep an eye out. Uh, <laughs> until next week, uh, enjoy your French football, whether that's at home or in Europe. And we'll speak to you very soon.